Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Praise, praise the Lord, everybody. Come on now, act like I'm Pastor Charlie. Praise the Lord, everybody. There you go, there you go. That's it, that's it. It is good to be together. Pastor Charlie, thanks for letting me borrow that one. Um, if, if, you're, if you're with us at home, I just want to say welcome again. I am so glad that you're spending your Sunday morning with us. But uh, more than spending your Sunday morning with us, I'm really praying right now that your Sunday morning is just filled with a moment to be with God. And so while you're with us uh, on, on, on the stream, we're really praying that this encounter is with God. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at the first 11 verses. And so when you get there, let me just hear you proclaim amen as loudly and boldly as you can. Matthew chapter 5. I heard one amen from David Clark. He was the first. Come on, who else is there? Matthew chapter 5. Come on, come on. Some of y'all saying amen, but ain't nothing moving. I know, no, you ain't flip no pages. You didn't dial it up on your phone. Nothing. All right. Okay, a couple other people. If you're at home, I hope you're there. Matthew chapter 5, the first 11 verses. This is what it says. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the, weak, are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are, the, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Father, I pray that in the same way that you taught your disciples, I pray that you would be present through your spirit and you would teach now. God, may the words that come from my lips be your words, and anything that's not of you, may it be forgotten and dismissed. But anything that is of you, God, may it land in our hearts and might it affect our days. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, what a great worship time we had. I hope you uh, had a chance to really engage in that time of worship. I, I, I love the fact that, that Pastor Scott was declaring words of truth while we were singing, and those words of truth were things that, that, uh, that I, I, at least me, I needed to hear. I needed to hear that, 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 that I have a God who can move mountains. Um, I, I needed to be reminded that, that God hasn't failed us. I needed to be reminded that no matter what is going on in our present circumstances, the reality of our Heavenly Father has not changed. And maybe you're in a similar situation. Maybe you needed to be reminded of that too. And so before we, before we take this text and bring it to life, let's just take a moment and anchor in what God was doing through that time of worship. Did you need to be reminded of the faithfulness of God? Did you need to be reminded that God is ever present? Maybe in your current circumstances or situations, you feel alone, abandoned, forgotten. Did you need to know that God has not moved? 
Maybe you're on the road and you see something coming in your direction and you just feel like there's no way to get out of its way. Did you need to know that your God can move that mountain? Did you need to know that your God can change those circumstances? Did you need to know that your God can overcome? Sometimes we need a great reminder of that. Yesterday I had a chance to travel uh, about an hour north of here and I got, uh, was up in the Allentown area, and just on the other side of Allentown, there's a big mountain. I don't know what it's called or what the point of it is. God put it there, so it's there. Um, but on one side of the mountain, on the side that I was on originally, you know, all things are normal. But on the other side of the mountain, when you get to the other side of the mountain, it's, it's literally like a time change. Like, everything shifts. Matter of fact, you have no cell service. Did you know there's places that close to us where you have no cell service? I don't know why anybody would live there. But they do. And so I had to go make this visit, and I went to the other side of the mountain. And when I got to the other side of the mountain, I realized I have no service. That's okay, except for my phone is my GPS. Mm-hmm. So I did what everybody would do. I just cried. Just confessing that to you. I thought I was lost. I was like, I'll never make it home. You know, I kind of had a moment there in the car. And then, uh, and then I found somebody who looked like they knew where they were, and I said, hey, could you direct me and help me get where I'm going? And they did. And uh, when, I got to the, when I got to the place I was going, I started this conversation. I said, hey, you know, like, why would you, there's, there's, there's no, I can't connect with anybody here. And, uh, and he said to me, oh, yes, you can. If you go right over there and you go up to that top spot right there, you're going to get a bar. And he was telling the truth. I went over that road, I went up to that top spot, and I got to that one spot, and I held my phone at the 30-degree angle, and there it was. There was one bar, and I was able to text my wife and say, I'm alive. It's going to be okay. God didn't move the mountain out of the way. The mountain was still there. But I was reminded in that moment that God still made a way, that there was still a way for me to, in that case, to be connected but maybe in your case, you're journeying across some mountains that are just really tough. And they're not moving yet. But God is still present in those places. And he's going to show up in moments where you're going to get a bar. And it's going to be a reminder to you that he's still there. And before you know it, that mountain will move. Hang in there today. Jesus is on the side of a mountain teaching and he's uh, with his disciples, and, and, and there's probably others gathered around, and, and the, the crowds are kind of looking in, but this is an intimate teaching moment where he is going to invest in the disciples, and as he does that, let's, let's understand a couple of things really quickly. Number one, what he's going to say, or what we just read that he said, um, are things that are just completely um, impossible for someone to, to live on their own. It's upside down. It's, it's, it's contradictory to the way that, that the world around us lives and thinks. And so um, Jesus' teaching invert, inverts their understanding. But to help us all understand it and to help the disciples receive it that day, Jesus started, watch this, he started by living it before he taught it. The first thing that Jesus did was he lived this out in front of the disciples, and then he began to teach the disciples, right? So as he lived it out in front of the disciples, when he then said these things are possible, they would have thought, no way, but then they would have thought, oh, Jesus, yeah. 
that's true of him. Those are characteristics of his. And therefore, he has set the bar, if you will. He set, he set the stage. He's made it possible for all of us. And, and actually, he's taken away the excuse that all of us would naturally use. There's no way I can. No one ever could. But Jesus... He's already made it possible. He's already displayed that it could happen. He's already lived these things out. And so as he is teaching the disciples and as he teaches us today, he is he's actually saying, hey, would you live like me? When I was a kid, uh, a young kid, I, I, I remember this. I, I've, I've shared this in a couple of sermons because it's so applicable, at least to my childhood. Um, when I was a young kid, Gatorade came out. And, uh, and then when Gatorade really became popular. It was in the late 80s. It became really popular because of this iconic basketball figure, this guy named Michael Jordan. You may have heard of him. If not, you, if, if not I'm sorry. He was more than a baseball player, and he was more than a basketball team owner. He was and I don't even think it's arguably, he was the greatest basketball player ever. And, uh, but, but one thing that, that I remember him for is this commercial. He did this commercial for the Gatorade that at that time was only available in the green flavor, whatever that is. is it, what is it? What, what is that one? What, it was only available in that flavor. But check this out. The, the, the commercial, the commercial showed him doing some amazing things. And then it showed a bunch of kids and adults drinking the Gatorade and then saying, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. And so they would drink the Gatorade and try to emulate the dunk that he did or try to emulate the, the you know, whatever it was that he was doing that was so amazing in that moment. Well, I'm reminded in that moment you know, that I want to be like Mike, I'm reminded that Jesus has lived what he is now teaching, and we have the opportunity, follow the story, we have the opportunity to drink the Gatorade and, and begin to speak things like, I want to be like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. Now, it doesn't take the Gatorade, and if you're going to get the Gatorade, get a different flavor, because that one wasn't that great, but, but, but I want to be like Jesus. That's ultimately what he's asking. He's asking us, are we going to, uh, are we going to, do, do we desire to live this lifestyle that he is suggesting is actually the blessed life? Now, let me make sense of that for a minute. When I say the blessed life, many of us might start to think things, right? The word blessed, what does that mean? And we start thinking like, well, when I, I smile a lot when I feel blessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know somebody who smiles a lot? Yeah, 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 Pastor Charlie, right? He's always smiling. He's always smiling. You know, and sometimes he'll look at me, and I just smile because he's around. I'm just like, oh, I got to smile because Pastor Charlie's here because his smile is, like, contagious, right? But, but blessed doesn't mean happy. Blessed, you, you could be equally blessed in the lowest moment of your life. So blessed doesn't mean happy. Let's replace this for a minute. Blessed means spiritually satisfied. 
So if you don't get anything else this morning, get this. Blessed, when Jesus begins to talk about being blessed, he's talking about being spiritually satisfied, being spiritually filled or fulfilled. He's talking about having an abundance of the presence of the Spirit in your life. That is ultimately the full life that Jesus is pointing the disciples to. So he begins, he goes on. Before I break these down, I want to make sense. If you have your own Bible or if you have one of ours, go ahead and make a note in here. The first four times he talks about being blessed, and Jesus is talking about, um, he, he, he's talking about our relationship with God. He's talking about an inward blessing that's revealed in our relationship with God. The next five times that he talks about being blessed, but it's really four occasions, he's talking about our outward relationships. And so there's a, there's a delineation here where first he talks about our relationship with God, being spiritually satisfied, our relationship with God. And then he talks about through our relationship with God being spiritually satisfied, now our relationships with others are blessed. They're spiritually satisfied as well. And we'll make sense of that in a minute. So I got a couple of points for you. The first, before I can be outwardly right, I have to be inwardly upright. I hope you heard that this morning. Before I can be outwardly right, I have to be inwardly upright. Look with me at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, those of us who are who are filled, who are spiritually satisfied, we belong, our hearts belong to the Father. Those of us who are spiritually filled, the kingdom of heaven, the eternal promise, the presence of God is ours. Friends, if you're, if you're looking at your life and you're saying, my life is spiraling out of control, my first question to you is, do you inwardly belong to our Heavenly Father? Have you resigned the area of your life to say, God, it's yours. God, you're in control. There's a, there's a sense of inadequacy. I can't do it on my own. I'm not, I'm not enough. I'm not going to make it on my own. But, but God. But God. So, so blessed are the poor in spirit, those who, who understand that on our own we're on a long road that we cannot make. We, 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 can't, we can't get there. But through God, with God, in God, we can. Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let me, let me just point this out real quick. He doesn't say comfort um, uh, he, 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 says, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's a promise that when we mourn, that the mourning is met by the comfort, the comfort. But we know something about comfort. Who is the God of comfort, right? We know the presence of the Holy Spirit brings comfort to our lives. God has promised that he will give us a comforter, right? And so Jesus is saying in this moment that comfort only comes to those of us with grief. Here, read this in the text. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are going through it because the comforter will be there with them. Maybe you need to hear that today. We talked about the mountains that won't move. Maybe some of us are in a time of deep grief. Friends, let me say this. In order to experience the comfort of the comforter, we have to be willing to be in the grief. In order to experience the comfort of the comforter, we have to be willing to be 
in the grief. We have to be willing to go through those moments. Those hard times have to be present if we're going to understand the comfort that can only come from Christ. So Jesus says, you're blessed when you mourn because there's a promise of the comforter. You're blessed when you're going through it because God has promised that he'll come in it with you. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You'll notice that it says the meek and not the weak, right? Blessed are the meek. Meek are those who are actually strong enough to stand reserved. I uh, had an encounter this week in which um, it, I, was, I was challenged. I was, I, was, I, was, I was being pressed a little bit. And, and my, my BC days wanted to become my present days. For those who don't understand that, that's my, my before Christ days, wanted to become my present days. I was remembering back to my, my younger days when, when you, if you don't, you don't have an answer for something, you know what you do. You don't know what you do? Some people are looking at me like, Pastor, what do we do? Well, this is not what I would recommend, but in my before Christ days when I didn't have an answer to something, I just used brute force, right? You just try to, try to muscle your way in. Well, there was a moment where somebody was exercising their own force in my life, and I didn't like it. And I had two choices. Choice one was muscle up. And I really thought about that. Y'all might think less of me in this moment. But I really thought about that. It went through my mind. It went through my mind. But choice two was going to win. It won. It won. By the way, choice two won. So it just helped you on that. I did not muscle up. Choice two was to have, to muster up the strength to stand reserved, to endure this moment that seems so not right in order to get to the other side of it. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus' promise is to those who have the strength to say, I will stand reserved. I'll wait. I'll hold back. So there it is. Four things he says to those who are, uh, that he describes in terms of being blessed, that are all related to our relationship with God. Our relationship with God. And now he transitions. He makes a shift. And he moves from this relationship to this relationship. He moves from talking about where we're at with God to talking about how we live where we're at with God out before others. And, and so let, let me say it to you this way. Again, the first point I said this morning was before I can be outwardly right, I have to be inwardly upright. We have to explore these things. Are these things right? Am I, am I right before God? And, 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 and he gave four examples of what it looks like to be right before God. So then the second thing is this. Outward righteousness requires, watch this, compassionate actions. Outward righteousness requires compassionate actions. In other words, it's not enough to just say, hey, I'm thinking about that. It actually requires me to do something about that. It's not enough to see a problem and say, hey, I'm thinking about that problem. It, it requires outward righteousness requires me to respond to that problem, to actually get involved, to be a part of the solution, to make sure that my 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 response is something that directly affects that reality. So he begins to look at our relationship with us. He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they 
will be filled. Righteousness. I hunger and thirst to see what is holy and what is right amongst you. You know, um, when you first become a believer, one of the first things you're taught is that you shouldn't judge. It's like one of the first things that people tell you, like, you should not judge anybody, right? And you're just like, I think you're judging that I judge people, but I'm not going to talk about that. But, but this is the first thing, it's like one of the first things you learn, like, God loves you, don't judge anybody, right? I'm not saying that that is completely to be dismissed, but I do want to be real clear about this. As a follower of Christ, when we see things happening in and through other followers of Christ that don't look like Christ, our voice is meant to be a part of that. Our voice is meant to speak to that, right? So I don't need to judge your eternity, but I can speak directly to your actions, Right? Let me say that again. I don't need to judge your eternity. I don't need to question whether or not you're going to be in heaven when I get there. But I can speak directly to the way you're living right now. Because if it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it doesn't reflect the God who I've yielded my life to. And it doesn't reflect the God who lives within me. Right, And so if we're going to say we're aligned with God, then people need to be able to say to one another, that doesn't actually look like you're aligned with God. And look, look, you know, when I was in seminary, they said, uh, when they were teaching us how to preach, they said, you don't actually start preaching until you step on somebody's toes. So I recognize right now when I start talking about, hey, looking at someone else's life and pointing out things that, that might not look like Christ, that, that, that offends some people. That offends some people. I know, like, when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, Ray, can I just talk to you about it? Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to email me and, uh, and talk to me this week about the fact that I talked about muscling up. Somebody's going to say, you know, like, that, that just wasn't an example that Jesus would want. I did not do it. I just thought about it. All right? And maybe it's a confession. But as a follower of Christ, we have the responsibility with one another to say Christ is not in that moment. Christ is not in that response. That doesn't reflect the God who saved your life. Friends, let me uh, again say this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, who, whose longing is for what is holy and what is right. I, uh, my early years in ministry was a youth, I was a youth director, youth pastor, and then, um, and then the Philly Project, and now pastor in the church. But in, in some of my earliest years of ministry, um, I also had this kind of, I don't know, like sub points on my job description that said, you also need to care for like the grandparents of the kids, of the grandkids who are in your youth group. And so I would go visit grandparents of grandkids in my youth group. And when I would visit these grandparents, what I would find is that these men and ladies were, were like, longing to see God move in their grandkids' lives. And so they would talk to me, and they would just be like, Pastor, well, they didn't call me Pastor. They'd say, Ray, like, all, all we want is for, is for little Becky to have this great moment with God, and they would be praying, and, and I could actually see them hungering and thirsting for righteousness in their grandkids' life. Friends, are you satisfied? Are you spiritually filled with a longing to see the holiness of God and the presence of the people of God? Do you wake up in the morning burdened to see the holiness of God 
more present today than yesterday? Do you have a friend, a brother, a sister, a neighbor, a cousin who doesn't yet follow Jesus? And do you long with an unquenchable, unquenchable longing to see that person come to Jesus? I love the fact that Jesus says the longing, the hunger, the thirst for the righteousness, that it will be satisfied. It will be filled. It will come to pass. There's a promise in there for us. The third thing I want to point to us this morning is this. It's a, the, the reputation of the Christ follower is the revelation of both outward and inward righteousness. The reputation of the Christian, the Christ follower, is, is a revelation of the outward and inward, the outward and inward. If you look at with me, look at verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Moral, the moral objective that is now evident is, is now the evidence of our heart. In other words, the way that I live amongst others reveals whether or not God is present in my heart, whether God is at work in me. Like if I'm treating you in a way that is Christ-like, it's not because of me. It's because of Christ. But if I'm treating you in a way that isn't Christ-like, it's not because of Christ. It's because the absence of Christ in me. Hear that today, right? Like when, when we are living in a way that isn't righteous amongst others, it just reveals that there's an unrighteousness within us. And when we're living in a way that is holy and is right amongst others, when we're longing to see God move, when our hearts are burdened for others, it's not because, ah, we're some great people now. It's because God is present in us. It's because God is at work in us. It's a revelation of what's happening under the shirt. It's a revelation of what's happening under the hat. It's a revelation of what's really at work in our life. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the children of God. This is that reputation verse, right? right, right. You'll note that he is talking to the disciples. He's talking to followers. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to people who have already said yes to Jesus. It's not that they're going to become children of God. But watch this, watch this. The way that you live will define the reputation that you have. The way that you live will define the reputation that you have. Jeff, if you live as a Christ follower, you know what people are going to notice? That you're a Christ follower, right? You know, if, if you begin to live in a way that people are like, wow, that guy, that gal, she is gracious. She is, she, she, you know, she's loving. He is loving. He is slow to anger. He is patient with me. You know what they're realizing? Christ in you. They're realizing that Christ is present in you. But when you're not, when you're not living a righteousness before others, a holiness before others, and that doesn't mean I'm touting around the things that I do right. 
means I'm longing for what is best in relationship to others. When we live that, people see Christ. And we will be called children of God. This week I had a day that was a little more difficult than others. And as a result, I was a little extra tired when I got home. And, uh, and I got home, and, um, and one of my kids, may or may not have been my oldest son, um, was doing something that was just a little out of pocket. And I had to remind him that out of pocket also was not going to be accepted by dad. And so um, as I was reminding him, I was forgetting for a moment that he was... Ten. I was forgetting him for a moment that he was ten. I was I was forgetting for a moment that he was an, an inquisitive kid. I was forgetting for a moment that 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 what he did, what he was doing, wasn't actually like a deal breaker in life. It was just kind of this boneheaded moment of a ten year old. And so I began to I began to to tongue lash him. I began to to lay into him with my words and and uh and I, I peered out to my left. I just caught out the corner of my eye, and, and, and it was, and my, my wife was there, and, and she was burdened by what he was doing too, but now the burden had shifted from what he was doing to compassion for him as dad was, was laying law down. So when it was over, when that moment of letting him know how wrong he had been was over, nobody felt good in the conversation. And we all went back about it the rest of our evening. It got to bedtime, and I went up to the room, and I was putting Isaiah, oh, I was putting my oldest son and my other kids to bed. Anyway, I was talking to Isaiah, and, uh, and I, was, I, was, I was sitting on the side of his bed with him, and, and I said to him, I said, Isaiah, I need to apologize to you. What you did was was boneheaded it was wrong but i didn't need to i didn't need to respond that way and i need you to know that there are still things that god is working on in my life and god is still doing some things here in me that'll help me to be a better dad and have a better voice with you in the future i need to ask for his forgiveness and his grace with me you know, and he's, he's a 10-year-old son, and he thought, you know, he could exercise that moment and be like, well, Dad, I'll forgive you if you buy me a new bike, you know, or something like that. But uh, he negotiated a little bit, and then he said, all right, you know, yeah, okay, Dad, I forgive you. I love you anyway, all those kind of things. It ended really, really well. But let me get to the point of that story. The point for me is this. If it had not ended that way, and it had just ended with me lashing out at my boy with my words. What he would not have seen in me was Christ. What he would have seen in me is something that I don't believe reflects the Father. The redemptive moment for you and for me, if there are areas of your life where the outward expression isn't actually revealing Christ at work in you, Let's confess those moments. Let's come back and say, seek forgiveness in those moments. 
Let's go back and apologize to those who we need to make right with. Because you see, this relationship between us and God is revealed to others in the way we live amongst them. I'm praying for you today. I'm praying today that you would take a step in your relationship with God. Taking that step in your relationship with God might mean saying, hey, God, there's some things here that we need to work on. But it also might mean doing this instead. There may be some relationships in your life that just don't reveal the Father. And so you need to, you need to turn those relationships around. You need to be able to say, hey, I'm sorry, and, and, and reconcile. Or you need to come back and say, hey, God, I need to yield this relationship to you. Friends, this week as you live this out, please remember these things. First, I can be, in order for me to be outwardly right, I need to be inwardly upright. Second, my outward righteousness requires compassionate action. I've got to move. I've got to take steps. And then third, the reputation of me as a Christ follower is a revelation of what is going on inwardly and outwardly. I'm praying for you this week. Let's pray together now. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are at work in our lives, God. And I thank you, God, that you have given us direction for what a blessed life looks like, what it, what it means to be spiritually satisfied. And, God, the greatest thing we know in that is that this, to be spiritually satisfied requires us to be in a right relationship with you. So, God, be at work. Do a great work. Heal our, the areas of brokenness in our life. And God, if there's anybody out there in the sound of my voice today or whenever they watch this who hasn't yet said yes to you, I pray that their first step would be to say, God, be the Lord of my life. Take control. Before I try to go about making anything else right, my heart with you, inwardly, that then I might live outwardly. Father, receive all of this as our act of worship to you as we sing our last song as we give our gifts our tithes our offerings and we receive our blessing from pastor charlie god i pray i pray father that you would receive it all in jesus name amen praise the lord everybody praise the lord let's give jesus a hand clap Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depends on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. How many can bear witness to that today, that Christ is their mighty refuge? That he is the rock of my salvation. Truly, I know it's like a glass filled, but if we empty out that glass filled of our life and we turn it around and let the spirit of the lord refill it and refresh us inside and outside and then they can see our good works and glorify our father which is in heaven people will see that god is a light in our lives when we shine bright for christ amen as we prepare our hearts and our minds to give today i ask that you would take a moment to be challenged this week Find your refuge in Christ. Find your strength 
and lean on the rock of your salvation, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And for those that are watching, we ask that as you will prepare your hearts to give, that you will set in your mind between you and God, which you would be a blessing to this ministry and how you can be a blessing to this ministry in your giving. And we thank you for joining us. And we thank you all for coming and fellowshipping with us. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done in our lives and all that you are doing in our lives. We thank you for the word that was preached today. Lord, we ask that that word that was preached today, that we would meditate it on day and night as the weeks unfold, Lord, and as the days unfold, Lord, that we will experience you in the mighty way, that we will experience your spirit. Not only that we are blessed inside of having you in our lives, that we can be a blessing to someone else because that you are in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for your ever presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And as you are giving to my left, to your right, in this box right here, and for those that are watching, you can click on the tabs below for your giving. We ask that you just be reminded that Next week, the interns will be leading the church service. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap for that. These are some awesome interns. It, it was a different experience this year, but I thank God for the experience because we got to walk with them a little closer this time, and we got to be with them every day. And so we were able to pour into them, and they were even pouring back into us. They were being challenged, and it was been, it's been a wonderful wonderful season with the interns and I've grown to love them all and if you know them you'll love them all too amen amen so next week we'll see you in church and we'll see you in church as well amen thank you for listening to our weekly podcast we pray it was life-giving to find out more about us visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.